Nation, authors, coaches, speakers. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training. AYMission.com. And here is your host. He's a best selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Okay, this week on Amplify Your Mission, we have a plane crash survivor. We have a motivational speaker. We have Joy Cooper, who is also a best-selling author, a number one best-selling author. So we're going to dig into all of that and find out how she shares and and sort of effective methods to share your story on stage and really going to dig into everything she's all about. So I'm really excited to hear about, number one, the story, because I, I heard this story from a friend. I'm like, I've got to speak to Joy. This is... Uh, very interesting stuff, so I don't want to give it all away. But Joy, are you ready to amplify your mission today? Of course. Awesome. So that bio or introduction was a little bit all over the place. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? So at the moment, I'm doing speaking. I've worked in the airline industry for almost 10 years as a manager for a small airline and airport. And my mission is to spread the story of overcoming um, back three years ago, I was in a fatal plane crash. I was the only survivor, and I honestly shouldn't have survived. I would have only survived if, for the grace of God and also um, some really talented people and the Air National Guard. So those guys are amazing. But being able to share all of that with my corporate experience as well as personal experience, just being able to share like leadership tips, overcoming tips, recovering from dramatic change. I was told I would never walk again. And I told them that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard again. Get out of my room. And thankfully, I can walk again. And I have been walking for quite some time now, thankfully. But that's what I'd love to share with people, just tips that I've learned and be able to inspire with a story so that, you know, when something comes up in your life that is going to be tough or difficult, you could be like, oh, hey, this person did something amazing. I could do something amazing. It's kind of it gives you something else to be like, hey, some perspective. Yeah, so clearly, obviously, you didn't choose this path initially. It's kind of no. this is the kind of cards you've been dealt, and you're in the airline industry. So, I mean, what did what did you want to do growing up? Did you ever have any thoughts or aspirations that one day you might be, you know, a motivational speaker and doing this? You know, tell us a little bit. And where are you originally from? Tell us a little bit about your origins. Yeah, so I'm from Texas. Um, I grew up with a family, and I was probably the shyest kid in the family. And I did not like to speak at all. I just did what I like to do, and I baked things in the kitchen. So that's one of my hobbies. And in college, of course, that that quickly changed and cranked me around to be more personable and able to manage and lead people. And a lot of that requires speaking. And so I learned, okay, well, if I want to actually be able to get out and lead people and help people, I have to be vulnerable and be able to put myself out there. So that's what kind of got me into the whole overcoming that little step of not even wanting to call a friend for a recipe on the phone because ah, I'm on a phone. <laughs> um, so that that obviously is not a problem anymore. Uh, but yeah, then I got thrown into this mess and it was okay. You know, this is what I've been prepared for my whole life. I didn't know it, but this is this is what I've got. Like my goal was to be a, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Uh, that was wow. that was my original goal. But yeah. I realized flying was very, very expensive. And I didn't really necessarily want to join the military at the time and waste six whole years of my life, which, by the way, that's not very much time. So it would have been worth it. But 
I know, my life when went you're younger, towards it air traffic like control. A huge amount of time. Oh, sure. it seems like it's forever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's what kind of drove me towards the private aviation. Yeah. Life. So does does uh, your job or your job up to sort of three years ago? Does that have anything to do with the crash? And talk, take take us back to that that day when ultimately you're kind of your fork in the road where everything changed. Is, and tell us uh, kind of like what happened because I have loads of questions. So anyone listening must be like, hey, you can't just skim over sole survivor type oh, stuff. Yeah. You t- take us through what what on earth happened on that day. Yeah. So it was actually a fork in the road, and forks in the road create turbulence. So we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, I was out on vacation in Alaska with my best friend and her aunt and uncle. And we had just finished the most amazing trip we've had down at like this local or sorry, super remote glacier lake in the middle of nowhere. The sky was crystal clear. Her uncle was a pilot. That was their property. They'd flown back and forth there, lived there for 20 years. So like used to that route, right? So knows where he's going. So as we took off, the weather was good. The forecast was good. We weren't concerned about anything until we hit the mountain valley that was full of smoke and it went from perfectly able to see things to I know there's a mountain out there somewhere where is it and uh, we were told to just look out the window for trees and that was our collision avoidance system as he tried to pilot us and turn us around but again we're in a mountain valley so you can't really turn around very easily and he aimed for fork in the road which is actually where a highway split and turned us around. Um, Fortunately, then we hit turbulence as he was turning us around. My door flew open and I had to grab the door, slam the door shut, hold it closed. But I'm thinking we're on our way back to Anchorage. Got 20 more minutes. It's not a big deal. Um, I'm a private pilot also. And when I got my pilot's license, the window flew open on my instructor also. So I was like, "Ah, I've done this before. Just hold the door closed. No big deal. But we kept tossing around. I was like, a bowl of salad is what I explained it to. Like you were just all over the place and it jackknifed us into the mountain. So instead of flying parallel, we all of a sudden were perpendicular and the pilot saw the mountain before any of us did and pulled up. But then we looped up and stalled oh, and basically fell into the mountain. And that's the last thing I remember until I woke up. But yeah. And they so, said, you'd, what were your injuries and, and how long, who found, you said the National Guard, who found you and like, yeah, yeah, the National the Guard ultimate. found us um, probably about four hours later. So my friend and her aunt who were in the back seat, they were immediately gone. They didn't even know what hit them, which is a mercy, honestly, because they I know my friend would not have been able to recover even what I had to recover. She had lots of medical problems and it would have been torturous. Uh, the pilot, unfortunately, he was alive for a little bit, but um, his injuries were too great. They uh, he passed away shortly after the National Guard guys showed up. So they showed up in a Pavehawk helicopter. Uh, they're called pararescuemen. They jump out of helicopters and C-130s to get people out of places. They're fantastic How people. How long were you, were you conscious way before they got there? Or Yeah, yeah so I, airline people go by, um, or I also go by yeah. rules and uh, checklists. So I woke up and I'm like, I thought we were in the living room in Anchorage watching We Were Soldiers because there was a bunch of brush and tundra and broken glass and twisted metal and dirt and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, we're in the jungles of Vietnam during the Vietnam War, right? And then there was no Mel Gibson. And so my brain started finally being like, there's no Mel Gibson. This is not real. You are in a plane crash. And so I slowly checked on everybody else, figured out that the two in the back were gone and that the pilot couldn't move. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to get out of the plane 
We just were flying over a highway. I can just roll down the mountain and go to the highway and get help, right? Unfortunately, um, my door was stuck, so I couldn't get out. And also, my elbow was almost completely severed. It just kind of swung there like a pendulum. So when I tried to pull myself up, my arm was just like flopping. So I actually climbed my hand up because you can look at your fingers and still control your muscles by just looking at them. So I climbed them up the dashboard around until I could get to my upper arm, which was not broken, and pull myself up. So I did that a couple times until I was wearing myself out for no good reason. And I realized I needed to be ready to go as soon as whoever showed up showed up. And so I took a nap. And then I got woken up by the helicopters. And then when the guy showed up, I said, hello, my name is Joy Cooper. Here's what's going on. It's yours. And I freaked him out. <laughs> so um, you mentioned they said you, did you say they, you wouldn't walk again properly or entirely? Or? Correct. Um, so my injuries were um, my left wrist, my right elbow that was almost cut off completely. And then I also broke my back. I broke my L1 and I had four spinal cord tears. So with the spinal cord tears, it's not a complete cut. Mm. So the difference in that, for those who aren't medically minded, a cut is you're done for. Like whatever is below that dermatome, that spinal cord level, you're not going to be able to regain function because it's cut. With a tear, they're able to try to put it together. And then it's up to your body pretty much how much recovery you get from that. So a lot of like my doctors never said I couldn't. But they just said, we'll see what happens. And some of the other doctors who were a little bit less optimistic could be like, just learn to use a wheelchair already because you had so much damage. And plus, both of my ankles were completely shattered. I broke my femur in two places and punctured a lung. So, yeah, that was that was the thing. But I'm like, I do ballroom dancing and that's my hobby. And that's what I love to do. So I'm going to go dance again. You guys don't you don't get it. And they're like, uh -huh, that's sweet. <laughs> and they upped it that allotted a little bit so well on top of this this is how i kind of we came across each other or at least i came across you a friend of ours uh matt brawning he was um i was helping him with a speaker training and he kept mentioning about this cooper method and, and then he because he was trying to get you know getting people to do different things to warm up and prepare for speaking mm -hmm. and then he kept name dropping yourself in terms of like hey if it worked for joy it can work for you and, and literally in terms of overcoming all that adversity and, and physical um, disabilities or temporary or you know potentially mm -hmm. uh full-time as it were um so talk to us about how you did climb climb your way out of this so you're sitting here today and obviously how i mean and how are things now in terms of like you've got some injuries um how are things now yeah well um actually just today i went to go see a surgeon because i broke a rod in my ankle and i'm gonna have to go get surgery in a couple of weeks or months i'm not sure which so it's it's a lifelong Thing that mm -hmm. I'm just gonna have to deal with but that's life and that's honestly how I kind of got through this was realizing slowly I mean I thought I only broke my elbow I didn't know I broke everything else and so as I was waking up I'm thinking okay it's it's going to be bad like there's no way it's not bad but how bad is it and then also what can I do and so I focused on what I could do at the moment not oh my god my feet are in these metal apparatuses with screws in them and I can't move them it was I'm alive and my mom and sister somehow flew up there. Um, they found out a very roundabout way that I had been in the accident, but they were there. And so I had a support system. And so I immediately started to get to know the people around me, get to know the nurses, kind of let them get to know me as well and kind of take charge of that, you know, being a patient advocate for myself and being like, hey, I know I'm in a lot of pain. 
Is it something that's going to be, you know, permanent? What can I do to fix it? Is it something I just need to deal with right now? And kind of get to understand more of the new me. Because obviously now I've, I've never broken a bone in my life. and I broke all of them. And so here I am being like, okay, well, what's new? Like something has obviously changed. What changed? And then now what can I do with it? And who's around me that I can use to the best of my advantage and also to help them do their job better? Because as nurses, like they want to do their job the best they can, but they don't know the patient. Like they didn't know me before. They just knew me now. And so trying to get them to understand who I am. I had a doctor once tell me, stop telling the nurses how to do their job. I'm like, I'm not. Because they're coming to me and asking me, like, how does this feel? And if we do this, does that work? And so I come up with a perfect algorithm on how you roll me over with four metal limbs. And it worked. It sucked, but it worked. So, In terms of, like you said, you're, you're definitely different now. Was there a thought of ever, you know, just going back, trying to get back to exactly what you're doing before and just back to normal? Uh, and, and also, when was the decision like, okay, I'm going to look into this speaker thing and, and uh, you know, exploring that and, you know, ultimately going down that path. Talk to us about that decision. Yeah. So, of course, um, initially in the hospital, my goal was dancing. and It was just stuck in my head. So I'm like, that's my that was my normal. I'm like, if I can get back to dancing, then I'll be fine. And I even suggested to one of the doctors that he just amputate my left leg already because it would be easier for me to dance with a prosthetic than a rod stuck up my leg. And he laughed at me and told me actually he he never laughed at me but he just (laughs) was looking at me in shock like why would you suggest that but to me I'm like I have to get back to normal and I slowly did have to realize I'm going to get back to a form of normal Mm -hmm. but I'm never going to be back there and that's okay like I I have to wear a brace on one ankle and I'm about to get surgery again on another foot that's just life that's my new normal and so kind of work through that the speaking I spoke with a lot of people in um, the hospital a lot about my story about what happened. And a lot of them would say, oh, I could never do that. Or that's just way too much. I couldn't handle it. And I'm like, you're here, you, your wife had a passed away on your birthday and you had a stroke and you're going through a lot. Like I'm going through a lot, but you're also going through a lot. So you can't discount the struggles that you're having because someone else's is way worse. Like you are dealing with what you're being given yeah. and just being able to kind of speak to them and encourage them and say, hey, look, this is we all take the same steps. They look different, but we all take the same steps to recovery. And then getting back to whatever a new form of normal, like being able to rephrase that in our own minds and then be able to communicate that to others. And so being able, the more I tell the story, the more people are just like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. That's so impactful. And so I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm finally ready. I've taken care of my physical self enough to where I can actually get out there and my job is secure and all that stuff. So let's get out there and talk to people and motivate people and kind of explain to them that not, you know, you're not tied by your constraints. Like, yeah, my foot doesn't work, but guess what? I still go dancing. Should I? Another question, but I do. And it's modified and I'm still able to kind of enjoy a semblance of that, but that's kind of my new thing. And so be able to see what you're able to do, what you should really not be doing, even though you really are stubborn and want to, if you're like me, which Shouldn't do dancing, but yeah. it's fun. The Talk Accelerator. Increase your income, influence, and impact. Do you want to do a TEDx talk? If the answer to that is yes in any way, shape, or form, or it perks your interest, head over to 
talkaccelerator.com. That's talkxcelerator.com. It's got all the information on how you can get a TEDx talk and why potentially you might do and the impact it can have on you and your message. If you go there as well for a limited time, you can click on the green button at several places on the page and schedule in your own idea clarity call where we can talk through your potential idea worth sharing and what makes a great idea worth sharing. The TEDx platform is a great way to enhance everything you do and amplify your message. If you have any interest in that, go across to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. If you've got a message, if you've got a mission, it's time to amplify that message and increase your influence, income, and impact. I hope to speak to you very soon. Enjoy the show. So is the is the is the goal to always you know do this alongside your current job or because again I don't want to assume sometimes we're like yeah I want to do this to complement things it's something I like to to share and it goes well with it or is it to to go down and you know be an author speaker and, and fully transition maybe in the future what what are your thoughts on that and then what was kind of one of the first steps apart from just sharing the, to those around you what was one of your first steps to move closer towards this goal. Yeah, the first step was writing my book. So I wrote in a collaborative book called Overcoming Mediocrity. Just one chapter, it was to kind of get the juices flowing as far as book writing and everything mm -hmm. goes. My goal is to write a full memoir of the whole story and include everyone else's stories in that, which are amazing. So that was my first step. And then along with that, uh, we had some speaker training conferences and trainings like that that I went to because that's something that I wanted to do and learn more about. So the more I kind of learned about it and got the training and was like, this is something that I really want to do. I'm good at it. So I also want to do it. Uh, the caveat to that is the whole career and everything. I love aviation. That's yeah. been my passion for ever since I was a little kid. So at the moment, um, I'm trying to hold on to both with either hand. So doing doing the speaking, um, but also still taking on my career. My goal has always been to run an airline. So can't run an airline if, you know, you don't work for one. Yeah. So kind of a tricky, tricky little question there. But that's where I'm at currently. Very awesome. And when it comes to sharing your story, what do you feel is some of the key things, and from obviously your speaker training and actually sharing it, some of the key things that as a speaker – you want to include in delivering what is, you know, the kind of the, the raw material you've got, which is obviously a powerful story. What is the best way, do you feel, or some of the things you do to deliver it well, number one, and actually like input some, you know, some takeaways that they can apply either in companies or for individuals to their own lives? So I take the steps from what I had to do to be able to uh, compensate for the change. So even before the accident and everything, I made it a point to always try to lead myself. And I was a I was an airline manager for a small airline, which it was still great. But I had people that reported to me and I had all sorts of stuff like that. So I always made it a goal to get to know them and how they work and what their weaknesses were and what their strengths were to be able to capitalize on those sorts of things. And I feel like the accident kind of more brought a spotlight to how you're able to do those things. And then that's why I want to share like different um, techniques as far as change goes, overcoming adversity, like resiliency stuff, especially with COVID hitting in March 2020. Like that's when I was supposed to go back to work. And so how do you deal with 
oh, well, I finally got to a status where I could go back to work, but now COVID happened Mm. and I'm completely helpless. How do you deal with that without spiraling down some black hole of depression or anger or however it is that we all have a tendency to? I went and grabbed the saw and my cane and hobbled to my back porch and chopped down a tree. Don't recommend that. But it worked and got the tension out because I realized like I'm too stressed right now. I'm way too pent up. And I realized what I was feeling, how I was feeling and how that would impact others. And I dealt with it. And that's kind of something that I love to be able to share with people is that recovery portion as far as on a personal level to be able to recover and also be able to give yourself grace and be like, I just went through a lot or we are going through a lot. We need to kind of give people Give people extra buffer. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. And they don't know what you're dealing with either. And so be able to kind of give that grace to other people and also for yourself. Because obviously I'm a pretty type A person. And I told my boss I'd be back in two months after the accident. And I didn't go back for a year. So again, I could have let that get to me and be like, oh, I'm worthless and this is never going to work. But no, I just took every step at a time. I was like, well, I'm going to wash my face today because I feel terrible. And the next day I'm like, Hey, look, I can step, I can, you know, stand up out of my wheelchair and my physical therapist goes, stop it. But, you know, you got to tease people every once in a while. But being able to do those steps on a personal level and then as far as a corporate level goes, learning about leadership and how you impact your teams and how you can guide your teams and yourself. Because if you don't lead yourself, then nobody wants to follow someone who can't lead themselves. Yeah. And you mentioned some techniques earlier. I don't know if any of them are relevant to, to share here. And the technique that um, I mentioned Matt was talking about in terms of preparing yourself as a speaker to go on stage. Can you talk us through that? And I believe you used that in terms of your physical rehabilitation before that as well. Yes. So the Cooper method was uh, was framed by Matt, um, but he already was doing it in the first place. And I validated him by saying that's how I got my legs to wake up. So it basically is just like lightly tapping your your legs, your arms all over just to kind of increase blood flow and sensation and wake up those nerves. And so when you're getting ready to go speak or getting ready to go do something that could possibly be super important and you might freeze over, then just, you know, slap yourself a little bit, you know, get those, get those juices flowing. And so I validated that by saying, yeah, that's a lot of how I got my legs to wake up was just constant tapping or rubbing or just that constant little kind of annoying action that increases the blood flow in the nerves. And so we coined the Cooper method of looking like an idiot slapping yourself, but it really does work. And it is kind of, it is one of the big things that got me to get a, a lot of feeling and motion back in my legs and arms and stuff. So it is a valid physical thing as well as something interesting to do to wake yourself up. Obviously we've been talking a bit about, you know, some extreme adversity, but in terms of your speaking career so far, What's um, one of, been one of the biggest challenges or a time where it really didn't go well, um, you know, a bad day at the office or bad speaking or just anything that comes to mind in terms of um, we've all got fears that something you, you're concerned about moving forward or, or something that's already happened? Moving forward, I mean, I'm kind of young. And so obviously the fears that I get are, well, you're so young. Why are you talking about leadership? What do you know? Like. Well, you don't have enough I mean, experience people like can't that's see something you to the podcast how old are you if you don't mind me oh asking. yeah i'm 31 okay and sometimes i look like i'm 16 depending on how i fix my hair so you know that's and also that's that's the inner voice that i have those are my personal things and so other people may have you know fill in your own blank 
of what it is that you're concerned about. And the thing is, is do you feel like you're qualified? Like, do you have the experience to be able to share with others? Or do you even have like one snippet of experience that really will impact and share it, help other people? And if you do, then don't worry about what other people are going to say. People are always going to say whatever they comes to their mind. It's what you feel and what you're convinced of in your heart that's going to make the difference. And so for me, it was, okay, you know what? Actually, yes, I am strong in these areas. I do have these experiences. I do have a master's degree in airspace operations. And so I think I have a little bit of say over things and I've been around multiple different kinds of groups of people. So that's something that I can kind of sit in and be confident in. I mean, I had a speaking engagement two weeks ago where my hands were shaking so bad. I'm like, I'm sure people are going to see this. And I felt like I was short of breath, but I'm like, no, just keep it straight and level, keep talking, push through. And then of course, you know, like five minutes after I started talking, you know, the handshaking kind of stopped a little bit. And I rewatched the video and I'm like, I can't even tell. But of course, when I'm up there, I'm just like, oh my God, I probably look like a bobblehead doll up here, like shaking <laughs> around, but I, I really didn't. But it was the the pushing through, like you feel that weakness or that fear or that questioning of, I didn't prepare enough last night. You just got to keep your, as you know, keep your leader state and yeah. keep pushing through to just not, not talk faster. Don't talk faster. It doesn't do any good, but just keep yourself centered and who you are and the value that you're giving to your audience. And on that note, in terms of a recent speaking gig, what do you feel is the most effective way for you in terms of finding these um, these speaking gigs? And who do you feel is like at the moment your your ideal kind of client or event organizer that you kind of you're on the look for? Um, ideal client would be around like leadership conferences, so corporations. Um, obviously, like my experience, more aviation, but leadership is global. It's not like everyone needs it, whether it's a uh, you know, real estate company or an airline or another big tech industry. I was, so, I was thinking that because obviously your, your expertise, your background and your, you know, your degrees and then the actual your, your practical um, experience, your story, kind of that combination, mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of quite a sweet spot for those events. Right. Yeah. So just being able to do like keynote speaking and be able to talk to people and encourage them and give them some tips that say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going through this in my life, but she was able to pull through and this is how she did it. And these are things I need to learn to do within myself to be able to pull through in my life, whether it's personal or corporate and be able to really kind of share those things so people don't get bogged down. I, I hate seeing people say they can't or they get stuck or anything like that. I just want to be like, no, you can make a choice. You could do something different. So I love it when people turn around also and they're able to see that. And in terms of um, finding these potential speaking gigs, are you one someone who goes out and you know either through LinkedIn or other channels, or do you um, are you signed with speaker agencies? I know some people are, have a bit of both. And what's your method or approach at this point? At the moment, it's been mostly word of mouth. So different people that um, I've spoken with or to or shared my story with have said, hey, come talk to our group. Um, I have a, a talk with United Airlines in two days. So that's going to be awesome. I mean, I know it's my own company, awesome. but it's a whole different station. So yeah. I get to talk out in Denver instead of Virginia. So uh, that'll be, that it'll be a great opportunity. How did you get that one? Was that through uh, word of mouth? through a friend that I, yep, I told her my story and she said, ah, you need to come talk to our Women's Empowerment Month. This is going to be great. And so I said, of course. Yeah. So, 
yeah, lots of stuff like that. And then, you know, I'm hoping from that to also make contacts to be able to speak in other places, Mm -hmm. um, either within United or branching out just to kind of get those more and more feelers out as far as that goes. I'm not part of any um, speakers bureau or anything like that yet. Uh, That is a potential in the future, though. Okay. And um, if people want to continue the conversation with you, because obviously our time has flown, what is the best way to reach out with you and find out more and, you know, look into all and everything you're up to? Uh, the best way is go to my website. It's simple. It's joycooper.org. That's uh, last name is spelled C-O-O-P-E-R. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. You can shoot me an email and then we can get in touch. And that would be great as well as uh, there's information on my bio, some podcasts that I've done before my book that I wrote, all sorts of fun stuff. So there's, that's the, like the quick and easy way to get information on me as a speaker and a person and then shoot me an email. Awesome. And if you had the world's attention for sort of one 10 minute talk, like a TEDx style talk, what would be the unique or clear idea you want to share? And if you could, what, what sort of title might you have? Some people are thinking sort of TEDx titles. What would you, I know you've shared, it's probably something you already shared slightly, but what would be the key message that you'd want to share in a short one ten minute talk? The short ten minute talk. Um, well, my my signature talk title is the "No Challenge Is Too Difficult: Leadership Lessons from a Lone Survivor," and that's something that I would love to get across to people that no challenge is too difficult if you take the correct steps, or if you keep taking steps. Period. Don't ever stop walking, or you know, stepping. I should say. Um, but that's what I would love to share is no challenge is too difficult, uh, whether it's leadership lessons or lessons in recovery. That's what I want to share with people. Awesome. Joy. It's been an absolute pleasure. The time has flown and I've loved having you on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was awesome. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join our Amplifying Your Mission community on Facebook. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown. Three, two, one.